Um, we're going to be reading from a passage that's so fitting today because it really highlights, as we said, uh, our identity. What, what, what are we doing here together? We already professed our belief. We want to talk about and discuss just for a few minutes um, who we are in Christ. So we're going to be reading together 2 Corinthians 5, 16 to 20. And uh, Rebecca Reiser has already stood and shared a few words. Rebecca, we're doing double duty here. But Rebecca's going to read scripture for us today. And so if you'd stand and face the middle of the room, if you're able, we do this because we truly believe scripture is central to who we are as a worshiping community. So Rebecca, when you're ready, 2 Corinthians 5, 16 to 20. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Thank you. You can have a seat. There's really three verses, three statements that help define our identity together. And I want you to read again Second Corinthians 5, verse 17, that you'll see on the screen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. And this is that moment in the life of this church. It happens a couple of times a year when we are reminded again that when we come to Christ, we have new life in him. And not only new life in him, but we are somehow being recreated into the image, into the person of Jesus. And so it says, if anyone is in Christ, and this is the ultimate invitation for anyone here that's never received Christ, if anyone is in Christ, and the door is wide open for you as well today. And when we hear people say, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, I hope something stirs within us that reminds us of our initial commitment where we stood before many of these same people and recognize the possibility that something would be changed, we would be changed simply because of the presence of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit within us. It's nothing magical, but it's supernatural and it's ours. And I would argue it's unfair to expect radical transformation due to our involvement in many secular organizations or clubs or extracurricular activities. But when you come to this place and when you come to faith, there is something about a faith in Jesus where we can expect radical, we can expect radical transformation one step at a time. But the question I always ask myself in moments like this is if we expect that kind of growth and transformation, first of all, for me or for one another. Do we expect to change? And do we expect others to change around us? And that always brings me back to one of my favorite stories that you're going to hear 50 times before it's all said and done. It's the story of Krabby Hank. Remember Krabby Hank? That's too bad, then I'll tell you the story of Krabby Hank. This is John Ortberg's story. He became a pastor in the upper Midwest, went to a very traditional church, and one of the first people he met there was Krabby Hank. And he'd been a Christian for over 50 years. And by the time John Ortberg came to pastor Krabby Hank, he was an old cranky guy. He'd been a member there for his entire life, all the way back when he was a young cranky guy, crabby guy. 
And he complained about everything, his family, he complained about his job. And one day he began to complain about the church's music. Certainly a rare occurrence in the church. And what he would do is stop people in the church lobby, members, uh, new visitors, strangers, simply to complain about the music. Don't you think the music in the church is too loud, he'd ask? Over and over again. So finally, the church leadership gets wind of it and sits him down and has a conversation, asking him to stop. And John Ortberg, as he tells the story, figured it was all done. But it was several weeks later that the pastor got a visit from a representative from OSHA, the government agency. If you know anything about OSHA, and hopefully you don't know too much, it oversees safety in the marketplace, in the workplace. And John Orberg wondered, why is someone from OSHA here to see me? So the OSHA representative began explaining about dangerous decibel levels at airports and rock concerts. And then John Orberg realized what had happened. Krabby Hank couldn't get satisfaction anywhere else, so he contacted OSHA to report the church's music was too loud. And so John Ortberg, in the midst of the conversation, just began to giggle. And then he apologized to the OSHA agent for making light of the situation, but it just struck him as really funny. But then the agent said, you think you feel silly. Do you have any idea how much abuse I've taken at OSHA since everyone found out I was going to bust a church? <laughs> 50 years in a church couldn't bring a smile to Krabby Hank. He was just as crabby as he'd always been, maybe more. And, and the problem was compounded in that Krabby Hank's lack of joy wasn't only his fault. He hadn't changed, perhaps, because the people around him, the congregation, didn't expect him to change. They expected him to attend, to give, to serve, to stay away from a certain set of immoral things but they didn't expect transformation. Significant change on the inside and outside. And sadly, sadly, it is the legacy of how many of our churches today that we simply don't expect each other to change. Will Rogers made this statement, it grinds me to this day that Will Rogers said people change, but not much. And all God's people said, yeah, we know, we have a whole list of those folks, don't we? In the light of that, in the face of that, the apostle Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. So what do we believe today, friends? And more importantly, what do our lives reflect? I think it's time to raise the expectation for transformation at TFRC. And I'll tell you what, I hate this story about Krabby Hank because I'm becoming Krabby Hank. <laughs> and it begins with me. And it begins with you. And then it's your circle, our circle of influences that say, affirm the growth, but say lovingly, man, you're getting old and crabby. <laughs> or whatever it may be. It's part of who we are. We expect transformation because of who we are in Christ. The next statement I think is, is central to our identity is the 18th verse that says, all this is from God. And it's important to remember, folks, as much as we invest in people, as much as our ministry and program does so much for so many, this is all about God today. 
It truly is. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God working in us and through us, the presence of Jesus, our desire to be like him, and then the power of the spirit that empowers, equips, and and counsels us on our journey of transformation. God reconciled us. That's why the crosses are such important features to this campus. God restored us, and God was and is reconciling the world, meaning me and meaning you to himself, and the act of reconciliation took place on the cross. And so who are we? We're reconciled to God because of what God did. And then he says, and also, oh, by the way, you're becoming a minister of reconciliation. The whole concept of being reconciled and restoration, that's our responsibility now. And we're all ministers together. You are a minister of reconciliation. And we bring shalom to the people around us because we've experienced the reconciliation of God ourselves. Then this third and last verse, verse 20. Because we are created new, because we have been reconciled and given a ministry of reconciliation, get this, we become ambassadors. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. See, an ambassador is much more than a messenger. He's also a representative. She's also a representative. And the honor and the reputation of their country is in their hands and is at stake. I don't know if you've ever studied U.S. ambassadorships. Quite frankly, I never had before this week. But it intrigued me. And a U.S. ambassador... They're consistent in their missions, and these are their responsibilities. First of all, they represent the best interest of the United States. They advocate for the policies and standards of the United States. They protect the safety of United States citizens, and they fulfill the mission and the mandate on behalf of the United States in any given particular country. And Even in contemporary terms, you can see what our role is, what our responsibility and opportunity is. We, my friends, are ambassadors for Christ. And I don't know if you've ever watched the swearing in of an ambassador, but the Secretary of State reads a few paragraphs to the uh, new ambassador, and this is the last line that they're asked to agree with. The ambassador reflects in his or her response, I will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office, so help me God. By the way, I love the fact those last four words are in the swearing in of U.S. ambassadors. All of the new folks, boys and girls, teenagers, adults that stood up today, I've got good news. You're now an ambassador for Christ. And I've got even better news, those of you that have ever stood and professed your faith in Christ, you too, we are ambassadors for the cause of Christ. And I think it's about time we had our swearing-in ceremony. Don't you? I'm not going to threaten you. You don't have to come up here, give a testimony. I just want you to consider that before you leave this place, maybe it will never happen again, but you will be sworn in, commissioned as an ambassador for Christ. And of course, first of all, we're called, first and foremost, to our local municipalities. It's what an ambassador does as well. 
So what I'd like you to do, you ambassadors for Christ, hey, if you live in Filer, Idaho, stand up. Right now, everyone from Filer, Idaho, stand up. Come on, you wildcats. Filerites, if you believe in Jesus, you're an ambassador for Christ. Any Buellites in the house today? Buell. Stand and be counted Buell. Awesome. You, my friends, are ambassadors to the municipality of Buell. High and lofty calling. Uh, Castleford. Anyone from Castleford here? You're ambassadors. I mean, it's not going to pay anymore. It's, it's a kind of a volunteer thing based upon your faith, but you are ambassadors to Castleford. Uh, any Jeromeites today from Jerome, Idaho? They're standing by the thousand here. <laughs> Jerome Tigers, and otherwise, you are ambassadors for Christ. Uh, Wendell, and this is the hub city of the universe or something like that. Are you from Wendell, anyone? You're ambassadors for Christ. I'll go one step farther. Hagerman? Anyone from Hagerman? How about Kimberly? If you're from Kimberly, stand up. Hey, my friends, you're ambassadors for Christ there. Unbelievable. Uh, any other local community I'm forgetting here? We okay? Um, Hanson? Sorry, Mark, I knew it. Mark represents the entire region of Hanson, the metropolitan sprawl of Hanson, Idaho. Anyone else maybe from Twin Falls? Would you stand? And quite frankly, anyone else you want to get sucked into the vortex, just get to your feet. There's no escape. Now here, I don't want to, I want to push anybody here, but understand this. If we believe in Jesus, if we've ever said, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, according to the words of Paul himself, we, my friends, leave this place as ambassadors for Christ. Amen. And let me just commission you. Uh, you are ambassadors for Jesus entrusted with the message of reconciliation in a world that is filled these days with division and uncertainty. You are ambassadors for Jesus Christ, entrusted with the message of hope in a world of fear and cynicism. You're ambassadors for Christ with the greatest mission and calling in the history of humanity to go and make disciples. And you are ambassadors of Jesus Christ with the highest calling representing the greatest kingdom and this your unique responsibility to represent this very day, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so this is the line you'll respond to with, I will. I will well and faithfully discharge the duty of the office, so help me God. What is your response? Amen. You, my friends are God's plan to redeem the world, one life at a time. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I, it, it may be a little hokey at one level, but it's absolutely profound at another that you've called each of us, regardless of our past history, regardless of the distance we had to come to find the cross, to, to be redeemed. You've called every one of us who claims faith in you to be a minister of reconciliation and an ambassador for the cause of Christ. God, seal this moment and allow us to sense how profound it is 
that when you, your son went back to heaven, he didn't have another plan. His plan is us. And Lord, may we fulfill it this very week. And all God's people said, amen. amen.